When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back to the Silver Fortune Podcast. Uh, before we get into things, I want to start off by thanking each and every one of you for uh, for all the support you guys give me. And as we kind of draw to towards the end of this year, 2021, um, I, I just want to thank each and every one of you for, for helping uh, me make it through this year here on my podcast and for all the support you offer, even if it's just by, you know, listening. Uh, you know, many of you guys that that may use Spotify as an app. They they each year they they put out their 2021 wrapped and it's for for uh, for for mostly music listeners and then it talks about what they listen to the most and whatnot. Um, well, I I do my podcast. I mean, some of you are listening on YouTube, but but I also publish to podcast platforms and I use Anchor for that, which is um, a, basically a subsidiary of Spotify. They bought them out like a year or two ago. And, and they kind of gave me some interesting stats on my 2021 for my podcast. Um, so I just want to share some of those with you real quick. Um, 54% increase in followers, 23% increase in listeners. Um, and I'm not sure if this is Spotify specific or across other platforms as well. I'm sure they have a hard time tracking all of that. Um, 30 fans listen to my podcast more than any other podcast. Um, so those are kind of my super fans. Thank you to all 30 of you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, six fans spent their birthday listening to to me. Um, so again, I don't know what you guys are doing. Um, you guys got to find better things to do with your time. 13 fans listen to on International Podcast Day, whatever day that is. And 15 fans listen to most of your episodes. So at least half of them. Uh, that's, that's huge. That's awesome to hear. That's not, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's hard not to, you know, have your ego stoked by that type of stuff. Uh, that's not what I'm saying here though. I'm, I'm just saying that, that you guys make this possible and I appreciate that very much. So anyways, getting into the main topic of today's video, I want to take some time to talk about, um, starting off, I think a good point, starting point would be to, to start off with the stock market. Um, this was a down week for much of the market. Um, the Dow Jones was, was down a little over 1% this week. Um, the S&P even more so, and the NASDAQ was down between, I think, 4 and 5%. Uh, not huge declines at all. But of course, w- when you live in this world where the stocks, stock market only goes up and, and, and that's what everyone sort of expects. You get a three, four percent drawdown, and that's that's big news for some people. Now, the bigger news that I want to focus on here, though, is why that's the case. Now, some people have talked about the new Omicron variant of of the um, of COVID nineteen um, for a variety of reasons. I'm not going to go super in depth on that. Um, I tend to think of this drawdown as being more so related to Fed policy and some of their recent, specifically Jerome Powell, some of his recent comments about the taper program. Now, the taper program, of course, is the tapering of their QE, of their their bond and, and, and mortgage-backed security, mostly those two things, the purchases of those um, debt assets uh, that they started um, in November of this year. 
and they were planning on ending uh, around June of, of next year. Um, earlier this week, and I'll get the quote here, uh, Jerome Powell said, quote, at this point, the economy is very strong and inflationary pressures are higher. It is therefore appropriate, in my view, to consider wrapping up the taper of our asset purchases, which we actually announced at the November meeting, perhaps a few months sooner. I expect that we will discuss that at our upcoming meeting. So essentially what he's saying is he's expecting that in the, you know, near future, um, they're, they're going to be planning on, on speeding up the, uh, wrapping up the taper of our asset purchases. Um, now you could look at that two different ways. I think most people correctly are assuming he's talking about a, a, a faster taper. Not, not stopping the taper early. If he's talking about a strong economy and inflationary pressures, that would suggest he's talking about a faster taper. Not just a taper that's going to end early, but a taper that's going to end early because it's going to be happening at a faster pace. Now, right now, they're cutting uh, it by $15 billion a month. Um, and, and like I said, in, in December, it sounds like they'll be you know talking about potentially speeding that up. Now, now, of course, that's going to bring the stock market down to some extent. Um, Jerome Powell saying something like that because the stock market has for quite some time now been really predicated on the amount of liquidity provided by QE, um, by the credit growth enabled by QE and by uh, low interest rates, uh, low Fed funds rate and all the other interest rates that are at least partially based off that. And, and when you start to say that you might reverse some of those things, then yeah, the stock market's going to drop. And, and this kind of brings me to silver and this brings me to gold. Uh, earlier today, I'm recording this on Friday, uh, December 3rd. Earlier today, silver dipped to, uh, just around $22, even the spot price of silver before recovering, you know, by 20, 30 cents, um, afterwards. And, and I want to ask the question, is that the low? Is that the low in silver? And that's, I'm not going to put myself on the spot and say that that is or isn't. The point of today's podcast is that I believe the low in silver is pretty darn close. It's coming close. Whether that was today or whether it's a month from now, it's, it's very close to right now. And a lot of it is on the basis of what I'm talking about right now. Powell is talking about speeding up the taper. He's talking about essentially tightening monetary policy faster than he already had been, and they were already on a tightening pace. Now, he's talking about a strong economy, which I, I think a lot of the data would suggest that it's not nearly as strong as, as he would lead us to believe. But he is correct in saying that there is a lot of inflationary pressures. And people are anticipating this taper to end sooner, to, to potentially for those interest rates to come sooner, interest rate hikes of the Fed funds rate. And um, that is going to be on the basis of fighting inflation. The stock market, as it has for like 20 plus years now, is probably going to prevent that from happening. I don't want to chalk it up all just to the stock market. There's going to be things happening in the bond market and other asset markets as well, real estate and, and, and corporate debt and some others that will play a role in this as well. But, but historically for the last 20 years, longer than that probably, the stock market has stopped the Federal Reserve from ever being really able to, to normalize monetary policy. Whenever they make a move to do so, 
the stock market throws a fit. And it's not necessarily the, the stock market, whatever that even means. It's not necessarily the fault of those buying or selling those equities. It's simply that current valuations in the stock market are predicated, uh, enabled by very accommodative monetary policy. When you have 0% interest rates, when you have very negative real yields like they are right now, when you have a ton of liquidity and whatnot supporting the market through QE, that's going to enable the valuations that we have right now in the stock market and that we've had for, you know, even before COVID-19 and, and, and before the, the, the big drawdown in the March, uh, March or the spring of 2020. We had very high valuations before that too. And, and a lot of it we can point back to and, and say that, well, a lot of that's monetary policy. A lot of that's central banking. It's a lot of it is liquidity and debt growth and, and, you know, very long drawn out economic expansions and the avoidance of major recessions because of them constantly tweaking monetary policy generally to the accommodative side, to the dovish side to, to keep the stock market up. And, and, and pretty soon here, if the Fed continues on this tightening path, uh, if Powell continue, regardless of what inflation is, regardless of if people like you and I might be thinking like, hey, you know, tightening is not such a bad idea. Look at inflation. This could be dangerous. Regardless of what you and I think, the Fed is going to stop their, their tightening plans as soon as the stock market makes it really an untenable option. People don't like the stock market going down. People don't like the threat of an economic recession, which I think is already in the cards in the near term, but they don't like an increased risk of that because of the Fed tightening. Even if it would be necessary to, to maybe cut back on inflation, even if it would be necessary, it's it's simply not going to be what the Fed is going to do. And it's not what they've done for over two decades now. They've always picked the, how many times have you guys heard me say this? They've always picked the most expedient option over the short term rather than picking the most prudent over the long term because expedient gets votes for politicians. It keeps central bankers in office. Nobody wants to go down in history as the central banker, as the Fed chairman or woman that, um, that brought about a huge crash because they said, no, we're not going to cut rates again or no, we're going to hike rates even if the stock market draws down by 10% or 20% or 30% because we want to fight inflation or because we want to bring some of these excesses under control. N nobody wants to, would you want to do that? I wouldn't want to do that. It's, but it's a necessary evil. And, and it's part of the reason why the idea of a, of a central monetary authority with such bias as a human, almost anybody would be prone to this. Um, it's part of why it's, it's such a bad idea in the first place, right? There's a lot of other alternatives, including, um, ones where, where interest rate decisions or QE or other monetary policy decisions more broadly are made on the basis of data rather than what an infallible individual or, you know, FOMC thinks should happen. Um, where, where you have all of those other things come into play that can, can cloud people's decision making ability, things like popularity and votes and, and, and their own biases, biases. Jerome Powell's a big, Dove, right? And, and that's a big bias of his, right? So that naturally plays into the future for silver in the, in the coming months. As soon as the stock market draws down, and believe me, I wouldn't be surprised to see silver and gold do the same when it does. 
When, but when we see a big correction in the stock market, 10%, 15%, 20%, maybe more, and it's probably going to be fast, we're, we're going to see major moves in the stock market, and we're going to, or sorry, in the bond market, and we're going to see a big spike in volatility. We won't be surprised to see silver and gold dip, especially silver, during that time. Uh, but it's going to be followed by a pivot, yet another pivot by, by the Fed and, and by Jerome Powell in a dovish direction basically saying I was wrong, we couldn't taper as much as we thought we could, we couldn't tighten monetary policy as we hoped, and and they're going to be backing it up with more accommodative policy, which naturally is going to be a tailwind for silver. Now, the thing about this is that one of the main reasons that Powell has cited as a, you know, why a, a more rapid taper is necessary is inflation, and, and you got to wonder what happens to inflation when the Fed tries to tighten, so has to stop prematurely much, much sooner than most people expected, much sooner than they did last tightening cycle. Oh, and by the way, inflation isn't like 1.5% or 2% now, it's 6% or higher. What happens then? What happens when you're, when you're cutting rates? I mean, they're going to be looking like turkey. It's a bit of a stretch. I get that. There's a lot of differences. But that's what Turkey has been doing for many years now. Despite high inflation, despite a weakening, um, a weakening currency, the Turkish lira, what has Turkey's central bank done? Oftentimes, especially when their when their currency is doing the worst, they don't raise rates like they should. They cut them, or or they keep them, you know, in the same spot. It's backwards, and 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 you're going to see that's the same the same similar playbook out of the Fed, out of the ECB, Bank of Japan. Um, and other major central banks where they will be cutting rates or they will be uh, stopping to taper or they'll be increasing QE or, or some similar dovish monetary policy, loosening monetary policy in the midst of high inflation and a weakening currency. That's coming in the future. And that's going to be a huge tailwind for silver. And I think this pivot is coming soon. I, you know, I've been on this for, for a while now talking about silver and, and, and waiting for this, waiting for the market to, to wake up and, and to, to basically realize that, hey, this taper is, is not going to be long lived. Waiting for the market, stock market mostly, to, to, to crash, to correct because of this tightening monetary policy and for the Fed to pretty quickly, you know, pivot and, and say, just kidding, psych, we're, um, we're going to, uh, we're going to loosen monetary policy. Uh, once again, we're, we're going to stop the taper early, not because we're speeding it up, but because, you know, we can't go any further. And, hey, maybe we'll we'll start QE again because the stock market sure could use it or Main Street could use it. But again, loosening monetary policy in the midst of high inflation is going to be just as disastrous as as creating some of the policies that, that caused that high inflation in the first place. You know... It, it makes you wonder when will this is the other thing I wanted to talk about today was when will the the broader marketplace and the economy sort of wake up to this high inflationary reality? I get it that if we have six percent inflation today, that doesn't mean that's going to be reflected in a thirty year bond or a, a, a long dated mortgage or it, probably not. I get that, not entirely at least. But you gotta wonder, you know, I saw earlier on Twitter somebody had posted um something about how uh their was it their bank was offering them an FDIC insured high yield savings account and, and the yield on it was 
a whopping 0.4%. And of course, the reason for that is not just because banks are greedy, but a lot of it is because um, that's where that's where those interest rates are right now. And a lot of it goes back to the Fed funds rate. You keep the basement rate low, essentially zero, and, and all of those other interest rates like CDs and, and um savings accounts and whatnot are going to be low as well. It doesn't mean you'll see it all the way across the curve or all across all the way across different debt markets. But as a whole, when you keep those rates low and when you keep other rates low, like mortgage rates or uh bond rates low by by buying them by by the hundreds of billions, by the trillions like the Fed is doing right now, you're gonna create artificially low interest rates and you're gonna create very negative yields like they have right now. But you got to wonder at what point do some of those interest rates change? I mean, bonds. I mean, if the Fed keeps keeps on the gas and keeps buying them, then, then maybe bonds are going to take a long ways. You know, sovereign bonds a long time to do that. But what about corporate bonds? What about mortgage rates? I mean, think about it. I mean, I'm not familiar with all of how this this banking works and whatnot. But but imagine being a bank. Um, Allowing somebody to take out a loan at three percent, when when inflation maybe stays at five plus percent for a couple of years, what does that do? What does that do to their um, to their bottom line? I don't know. Uh, things to think about, but we're going to see it eventually in our own daily lives. I mean, right now, buying a home with negative real rates, uh, taking on any sort of debt like that um, is going to be a, a very attractive to a lot of people. And of course, that's going to, um, if anything, that's going to speed up inflation. It discourages saving as well, which is going to speed up inflation. Um, but the more and more negative those real rates go and the longer they stay there, that's again, it's just going to be another tailwind for inflation. And in turn, precious metals. And, and of course, um, you know, eventually the big question is when do other interest rates, when do yields on the bond market, like the sovereign bond, the U.S. sovereign bond market actually start to rise despite um, heavy support from the Federal Reserve. As always, though, I'd like to thank you, each and every one of you, for tuning in to uh, today's podcast. Um, appreciate your thoughts on this down below in the comment section if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, feel free to uh, send me an email if you're over in the podcast world or jump over to YouTube real quick and, and, and leave a comment if you have any thoughts on, on today's podcast. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and God bless.